Episode 79, The Hard Work of Leadership Leading. <laughs> Let's try that again. Episode 79, The Hard Work of Worship Leading. For anyone who is gifted and spirit-filled, getting up and singing some songs isn't too difficult. However, planning creative, inspiring, engaging, and uplifting worship is hard work. It takes some intentional planning and requires thinking and effort. In this episode, we want to discuss four components that require work in planning for worship. You're listening to the Worship Leader Toolbox podcast, designed to inspire you in your ministry and leadership. We know this will be helpful as you lead your team and lead your local church in worship. We're grateful you've joined us for this episode and encourage you to share this with others. Let's turn now to today's show with Tim and Dave of worshipleadertoolbox.com. Hey, Tim, hope life is going well for you. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, We've had all kinds of uh, fun things happening, a full weekend of ministry, doing a youth conference at our church, and then the typical um, other things that happen on Sundays, and then threw in a college visit somewhere in there with my oldest, and um, so it's been good, and and your kids are actually at the youth event as well, so it was fun to see them there. I saw some pictures of that. That was great. Yep. Half our half our family was there. So it was pretty nice. fun. How about for you? Uh, it's been good. I actually got to go back to our old church. Uh, I had made a commitment to help out with a youth Sunday. And uh, that was really, really special seeing the teenagers playing in the band and singing. And then the uh, the younger kids. I'm sure you're part of a bunch of those little kid choirs that they... they <laughs> rally everybody up to the front there and they're all yep. kind of look, looking off in different directions but most of them are doing a pretty good job uh and, and you remember that from uh from uh being having, having granny pulling us up to the front of the church oh. and i always tell people that story of, of uh pulling a granny yeah definitely it didn't matter if yeah. you had a song or knew a song you just went to the front and sang anything <laughs> right <laughs> yeah uh and then while i was uh, since i was there i didn't get to see this but i, I heard a recording um, a gentleman that started playing piano for our current church um, is full of surprises, a real quiet guy from India. And he actually sang this time because uh, Leanne has a good way of uh, coaxing that out of uh, shy people, uh, encouraging them and everything. And he sang one of the verses in Hindi. It was huh. great. It was fantastic. And he's going to do it again next week, I think, is what it's scheduled for. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to, to, to hear that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, I'm thankful to be here. It's been fun learning the ropes of this podcast. I thought it might be cool to have a couple of segments. So let's just begin today on this episode. Uh, The segment can be a book, song, lesson you've learned, or a learning resource. Yeah. Um, Well, an easy answer is the book that I've been reading is Soundtracks by John Acuff. And um, the gist of that is the things that are rolling through your head on any given day and the, the music or the soundtrack or the things you say to yourself. And that's kind of a, a typical thing that um, a lot of people talk about these days, the idea of self-talk and the fact that many times we are kind of uh, down on ourselves in our self-talk. And so he really lays it out in a powerful and kind of normal way that these soundtracks are running through our minds. And, um, and what we need to do is make sure that we get some new soundtracks, like new anthems, he calls them. So that we're able to, uh, you know, take hold of the day and not just assume that everything's going to be a failure and everything's going to be bad and all that stuff. So I've written a little bit about it in the in my other blog, Tim Price blog, a couple posts from that. But one thing that um, 
that he always, uh, throughout that book, one of the things he mentions is that he has a soundtrack that he heard from somebody else that was basically, um, everything's always working out for me. Even when things are kind of going wrong in the schedule for the day, uh, surprises will pop up and, you know, coffee shop running into somebody, just different things that he kind of has just developed this little soundtrack that says everything's always working out. And because that soundtrack is going, it sort of seems like everything's always working out. And so, um, it was just an interesting book. And so if you, uh, if you get a chance, you can pick that up. It's good for any, any body, especially a Christian believer, especially a ministry leader. So what about you? So if I understand this, it's, uh, when you are, uh, focusing on certain things because you're maybe repeating a phrase or you're focusing on a, a concept or a principle, then that's how your life kind of goes. Am I understanding that? Yeah. I mean, to, to some degree, it's, it's basically, maybe it is, and we don't want it to seem like a, you know, horoscope type thing or some weird new age, something rather, but, uh, you know, your thinking, your thoughts do kind of direct you and that's what the scripture teaches us. And so, um, if you are, if you have your mind full of all kinds of thoughts that are ungodly, if you're not thinking on things that are good and pure and lovely and wholesome and admirable, then you're going to have, um, you're, you're going to kind of be tended toward that direction. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think everybody can think that they say stuff to themselves. Like if you are cooking lunch and you spill water out of the cup and it goes all over everything or the ingredient or milk or whatever. And then all of a sudden you say, Oh man, that's just like you. Like that's the typical soundtrack in our mind. But what Mm -hmm. if you change that to be like, Oh, well that happens. That's the new soundtrack. Like, okay, it's not that big a deal. And you could just kind of reformat your, your, uh, brainwaves, synapses and all the other little things so that you're not just always down on yourself. You want to be your, like he talked about, you want to be the best boss to yourself. Like you would anticipate somebody, you know, having forgiveness for you if they weren't you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like it. It's, uh, it's, it, it, it so to some people it could like lean towards the new agey positive thinking stuff that's out there. But if we're already commanded to be meditating on the scriptures anyway, I don't, I don't see how that's, uh, could be that. And to meditate on, I am a child of God. I am loved mm-hmm. very deeply and I have a, uh, God has a plan for my life and, and all that good stuff. Man, I don't see how that could go wrong at all. Yeah. So, I'll, yeah, I'll, that's true. I mean, and, and this guy's a Christian guy. He also, um, is, you know, he's big and, you know, he's New York bestseller list and all that stuff. But, uh, John Acuff, he, he does a great book. So, well, um, I just started, um, a book called The Next Verse by Jay Payliner. Um, I like to give Jay a plug whenever I can. Um, I've had a couple conversations with him over the phone. Um, he's an author out of Chicago, and he has these books called 52 Things, dot, dot, dot. So 52 Things Wives Need From Their Husbands, 52 Things huh. Husbands Need From Their Wives. And those books are great. And we went through a couple of those. Um, he uh, he asked me to actually review this book for um, an Amazon review in exchange for receiving it before everybody else does, like a pre-order kind of thing. Oh, wow. And uh, so I'm trying to barrel through that as much as I can. Um, the It's about... Um, when we have our favorite Bible verses up on the wall and there's one sentence out of that whole chapter and we hang our hat on that one sentence. Well, if you read the whole thing in context, if you read the whole chapter, it actually might mean something slightly different than what you think it means. Mm-hmm. Um, or the context doesn't exactly apply to maybe what we think it is. So um, I've always thought that when people hang their hat on this one promise that maybe was for 
this other person, this other, you know, the Israelites back in the Old Testament or something that may or may not be for our modern day Christians to hang our hat on. Uh, so that's, so that's why it's called the next verse. So mm-hmm. checking the context mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. cool. I like it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into these four points today. We know that worship leading isn't easy at times and might start thinking that we're doing just the basics, but to move beyond that takes some work. Yeah. And that's these four components. I was just thinking about, um, that they need to consistently appear in our worship times, but they don't naturally appear in our worship times. Like it requires us to actually, um, do some hard work to get these included and to have them be a part of our regular, uh, you know, worshiping corporate congregations. So let's jump in. Number one is creative. Yep. So creative is one of those, um, like, like each of these probably, it's one of those that people think either you have it or you don't, but true creativity, creativity requires work. And so here's just a couple of ways that that happens. One is that it requires work to actually schedule creativity. So, um, you, you basically have to force yourself to think creatively. I'm reminded of this every spring, actually early fall when I'm preparing for the spring, uh, for our kids conferences, this will be the 20th year for those. And every year I've written a song for the kids conferences. So sometimes two or three, depending on the theme. And, um, some of these songs you can actually find if you, uh, Google harvest adventure on Spotify or on the internet or wherever. Um, it's, a uh, it's four of the songs that we've written over the last couple of years, the theme song. But what's amazing is, is because that tradition is there and because I know that now that I've done this every year, I might as well not stop now. I pretty much am forced to sit down before a certain date and think creatively to write a song for this event. And as that uh, keeps on going, then it's kind of always a reminder to me that you can't just wait for creativity to happen. You have to basically decide you're going to do it. And, um, and there's probably a lot of questions about this or, you know, some things we could think about, but creative components aren't usually like cut and dried. Like you can't just say, Oh, now we're going to do this creative component because it's different for every service or every event or every Sunday or whatever. Um, the things are, are innovative. And so basically as a result, it requires us to, um, you know, think differently about pretty much many of the same components. Usually creativity is just a little bit of a twist on something that has already happened. And then we're innovative in the sense that we are putting it out there. So I don't know what this might be for a worship leader listening today. Maybe it is a new song that you and your group are writing or going to write, or maybe it's a a few steps to um, kind of change in the way that your uh, presentation happens, the way the stage looks or, or this type of stuff. Or maybe the creative component involves video or drama or something similar. It's basically going to take time because to pull off group creativity, it requires meeting with people, bringing them into the vision, inviting them to use their gifts, finding time for them to actually help you do that. And all that stuff that I just mentioned is what's going to bring creativity to fruition for your worship times. And, um, and none of that seems easy when you just sit and spout it all off. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah. How do you feel about the idea of you need to fill yourself with this thing that you're wanting to put back out? So maybe if, 
in the in the realm of preaching. You need to fill yourself with the Word and the Holy Spirit, and then you're, you're preaching from an overflow. What about being creative from an overflow? Uh, and what sources would you use or do you use for uh, filling yourself with creativity? That is awesome. Yeah, I mean, so definitely. And and each of these areas that we're going to talk about for the few minutes is is um, are, are areas that you do need to be filled with God's Spirit and with prayer and with God's Word. But there are other ways to be filled with creativity. I mean, uh, we live in a world where you basically are connected to every worship service there ever was. And you could sit and, and watch all kinds of groups and things and, and, and not just to copycat, but just to have a, what you just said, just to be filled up with different ways of approaching things and different ways of inviting people in to participate. And, um, you know, you head to a conference somewhere and they do things totally different, sing a new song. Or, um, I was at a conference this fall where, um, several people came up to talk instead of just the one person, um, you know, speaking, there was a different person introducing people at different times throughout the event, different people coming up after somebody spoke to say thanks and to pray and to send people out. And it was like a revolving door. There was never like the MC one person. And so, uh, we were planning for our event a month later and I incorporated some of that in because it was just, you know, it was right there fresh in my mind. And so the creative aspect of, of that was, was really cool, but yeah, to be immersed, there's probably a lot of ways to be immersed. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite ways of, uh, getting the creativity out of myself is, um, bringing in a random element and being forced to use that random element. So for instance, um, if we wanted to say, Hey, we're going to use, um, this instrument, the ukulele or something like that. Uh, and how are we going to make that ukulele sound good just yeah. for the sake of, of making it sound good? Sometimes it doesn't work out. Uh, so we don't end up using it, but, uh, to be forced to get outside of your box of thinking, um, I liken it to origami. Uh, so origami, you have one square piece of paper. You're not allowed to cut it, tear it, glue it, tape it, anything like that. And you have to come up with this thing. But by being held within a certain boundary, you actually are releasing more creativity because you have to think more versus just being able to cut whatever piece of paper, whatever size and color it and tape it and whatever. That is really good too. And and that's part of where creativity works best is whenever you are constrained. So usually the reason there are uh, creative things that happen in your church is because, you know, for people to say, oh, we can't be creative because we don't have a big budget or we don't have a lot of talent or we don't have a big stage or whatever like that. None of those things matter. Those things no. are what make you creative. So like, you know, two years ago, whenever we couldn't meet during COVID in churches on Christmas Eve, that's when everybody really got creative. And all of a sudden at our oh, church, yeah. everybody was outside and we set the whole thing up. We rented a 20,000 lumen projector, signed it on the church wall, had Amron come out, shut off the lights. And we ordered, you know, 2000 glow sticks from Amazon for, for candles in people's cars as they sat and watched oh, wow. the drive in. And, and people are still talking about that. Like that was like a moment that was so different and it was because of the constraint. So your origami thing is really, um, that's really right on target. Like that's what helps you be creative. Mm -hmm. so that's cool. Nice. Well, the next one is inspiring. Yeah. And I hope these aren't too similar, but, um, inspiration in worship is really about inviting people into the story. And so you're working to create a flow and components that call people to action and make them want to do something. And so there's an element of inspiration that is really kind of hard to pinpoint. Um, and it's, it's, it's definitely part of the process. And I just mentioned that a minute ago, but part of it is, is that we do need to pray for God's spirit to fill us in our planning 
for the song list, for the components, for the words that we'll share that invite people to you know be closer to Jesus and take action in their lives, really just to desire a holiness and love for God. But in a practical sense, um, here's one aspect to inspiration, and that is for worship leaders to stop being predictable. Because the mm. more predictable you are, the less likely people are inspired by it because their brains automatically know what to expect and they don't, they don't engage as, as sharply and as fully. And there's something nice about ritual and tradition and all that is good. But when you are changing the flow or the order or the, the, the whatever, then all of a sudden people's minds are like, whoa, what's this? This is out of the norm. I better start scrambling to, to put this into context and figure this out. And mm -hmm. what that does is it begins to inspire them. So videos can be inspiring. Testimonies can be inspiring. Children's involvement in worship always brings an inspiration to the church. And you just mentioned mm -hmm. that with the choir. They all get up there. They're looking off in whatever direction. But mm -hmm. if somebody knows them or their parents or their grandparents, then they are inspired because the next generation is in front. And as silly as it might come across, they are like part of the church. And so um, we all know these various things. They're not difficult, but the hard work for this comes when we are consistently trying to fit this into any given Sunday and to, to do it well enough so that you know, the barriers don't outweigh the, the inspirational parts. Mm -hmm. uh, and back to the children being involved. Uh, I, was, I was talking with a student last week and he had, uh, uh, maybe it's the season for youth Sunday, Sundays or something like that, but, but his church was kind of doing a youth thing too. And I, it occurred to me, how come we only have one day a year that we have quote youth Sunday? Why don't we have, uh, in a lot of churches, I have actually seen uh, teenagers participate in, um, like when we used to go to the United Methodist Church, that the traditional one where you had the um, what do you what do you call that accolade where you're walking down with acolytes. the acolytes? Uh, acolytes, yeah, yeah. Walking, I got to do that. That was kind of fun. <laughs> you know, I, I like to play with fire, so. <laughs> well, um, but we don't see that a whole lot, and so we don't expect this from teenagers, and then we wonder why nobody's volunteering when they become adults. And uh, what do you say to that? Um, well, I mean, that's true. And, and when a kid has a role, they're definitely more engaged overall. But um, one thing that I know is that, um, that, and this may not apply to worship so much. Well, it kind of does. There's two things. I heard somebody say one time that older kids in your church will either lead or they will leave. And so mm -hmm. they have to be given like this spot. And a youth Sunday is always kind of neat because it just kind of, you know, builds up toward a particular date to, you know, be a part but there's also other ways, like um, the different ways you can just involve students to lead right now. And the second part of that is that worship ministry is a great place for worship for, for students to be a part because there's so many hands-on aspects to it. So there's um, tech stuff that has to be done and graphic mm -hmm. stuff that has to be done and just playing musical instruments or a special song or helping with uh, cameras or whatever it is that your church has. Uh, you can really rely on students to be a part of that. And I know in our church, there's a ton of students involved in that aspect of leading. And the ones that are involved and on the planning center schedule are the ones that are there consistently all the time. And others are too. You don't have to you know, love being a part of worship to be a part of the church and to make a difference. But I just know that one example for a worship leader standpoint is going to help kids really engage and be a part of it. So that's good. Well, there's that word engaging. Uh, why don't we get to that point when we come back from our commercial? And we're back talking about the four points of worship leading. 
this next point is engaging. Yeah, and, and each of these is the uh, just four elements I was brainstorming that require some maybe more work than you would think in order for them to be consistently appearing in your worship times, whenever that is with the with the church. But um, engaging really is about um, decreasing things as much as it is increasing things. And part of the goal is to keep barriers to a minimum so that there's a pleasant kind of personal, natural sense to the worship time. And as I already mentioned, a lot of this comes from just being, you know, prayed up and full of the spirit and ready to, ready to uh, lead. And also means putting a focus on the congregation as you are putting songs and worship flow together. And so um, some of the engagement happens as anyone with a mic is able to articulate well, knows that they're asking and telling the congregation that brings a, a level of warmth. But um, leaders can engage with the, with the uh, church by offering stories or, or backgrounds into um, songs or components. And I know that varies based on style and, and how you know, down to the minute your worship service is and all those various things. But um, each of those kind of uh, personalized moments is going to help people feel like they're part of it. And yeah, But they must be, you know, well-crafted and thought out. You can't just kind of go willy-nilly because then it kind of becomes the same every time you do it. But, um, and we've already talked about this too, but engagement also comes as you um, kind of encourage and teach your church to sing and participate. So I don't know, this is a kind of old now, but do you know the, uh, the Tim Hawkins video where he talks about how to lift your hands in worship and does all that stuff? Yeah. Yes. And that's pretty funny. And, um, and you know, every church is at a different kind of level and style and, and various ways of, of active and uh, outward worship and inward and spiritual growth and all the things that are wrapped up into that. We don't, we could talk about that on another podcast if we want, but, mm -hmm. but I do think that some people in every church are willing to be more active in worship if they have the invitation to do so and the modeling. And so that's part of what I mean by the hard work of engagement because it requires a, it requires a you know, spirit led leader that is also thinking a little bit more than just winging it. Mm -hmm. Well, I really enjoy watching your dynamics when you're uh, doing the church camps and youth rallies and all that kind of stuff. Because you're doing exactly that. You're you're doing these like the Pharaoh one, and I don't know what I haven't. Uh, I don't remember what you did this summer at the uh, Epworth camp, but uh, you had a lot of that kind of interaction, and I think that's fantastic because that um, sort of trains the youth to be okay with being participatory instead of just standing there through the whole service. And then you have this generation of of people that are really really comfortable with actually engaging and participating versus observing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, we have to look back and see, we did a podcast or a blog post or something about, um, how, I mean, the different ways scripture teaches that worship is about some kind of outward response. And I've always kind of let myself off the hook because I've played guitar since 1984. So I haven't done much with my hands besides make chords and strum, but you know, scripture talks about lifting your hands and talks about, you know, crying out and, and singing loud and your lungs and your actions and bowing low, just all kinds of things. Now, and not to pour water on your example, uh, putting the fire out, but sometimes I do wonder or get concerned that whenever we are so interactive at camp, if a bunch of church kids, at least in our world, a lot of United Methodist churches, um, 
if they get wound up thinking that, yeah, that's camp stuff at church. We don't do that. Ah, and, okay. And so, yeah. you know, you don't, you don't see too many, I mean, maybe on youth Sunday or after camp Sunday, you get all the kids up there and they crank out a song. But for the most part, a worshiping church doesn't really do actions to songs. They just, mm-hmm. they worship, you know, in a deeper kind of way. So I think it can translate, but that's just a little thought I have every once in a while that I wonder if it's kind of like a, a little bit like too disconnected. But I will say, you mentioned Pharaoh, Pharaoh, that song never dies. I mean, like <laughs> it's hilarious. You, 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 the, the older kids still love it because it's like a memory for them, but then they show the younger kids who never heard it. And then all of a sudden they love it. And then when they get older, they, it's, it's, it's literally been going since we started doing harvest ministry at conferences and camps. And oh my goodness. And, I mean, it was going before that too. I mean, we, we just picked up and kept it going somehow, but it's hilarious. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, but there is engagement when you get that stuff going yeah. and that is important at camp either way. So, um, well, yeah, and on the flip side of that flip side, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was thinking earlier when you said, uh, you were talking about the more enthusiastic churches, the more charismatic, or whatever. Um, and, and, um, that actually can become the norm to always be raising your hand, always be shouting the same thing to always have this call and response. Like when the worship leader shouts out to the audience, do you feel this way tonight? And they all shout back, yes, we do, or whatever. That actually can become like normalized and routine and and different yeah, if you do true. that all the time as well. So I like the mm-hmm. idea of maybe even, maybe that's the way it should be is, hey, church camp, you shout and raise your hands. Maybe another event, you get a little more excited. And then other times you kind of be more chill. Yeah, and all of a sudden you're like more solitude and silence and mm-hmm. more contemplative. But there's also the idea that... Um, a lot, of, a lot of the churches that talk about not having liturgy actually have liturgy. Every church has their <laughs> yes. liturgy. And yeah. whether or not that liturgy is uh, kind of a free-flowing feel, like what you just described, that conversation from the leader to the people, that's basically liturgy. Ooh. And, and wow. if, you, if you don't change that to some degree, then, yeah, everybody's going to kind of become on a, on a diet that's not healthy because they're only doing one aspect of stuff all the time. And that even kind of, you know, even talking about this kind of makes me realize that we need to kind of up our game in that regard so our people don't kind of become, you know, unhealthy mm-hmm. because they're just on one one aspect of things. Yeah, that's good. Well, uh, how about the last point of uplifting? Um, uplifting is is a just a good word in general, and we need to keep creating the church as a space to be uplifting in the sense that we are lifting up the name of Jesus but also uplifting in the sense that um, we we have a world that is literally just being torn apart at, at various levels and various ways. And, um, and so our church needs to pray for that. We need to engage with injustice. We need to care for people. We need to, you know, be in the, in the streets and we need to make sure that we are sharing God's love. But within the church, when the church gathers, we need to do our best to help build a place of uh, time for and space for people to connect with God, for the the words to be uplifting, for the message to be uplifting, and um, and I, I kind of say that because I realize there are times when people are lamenting and people are going through tough things, and and the leaders and the music and the preaching all has to kind of meet that need. But no matter what's going on in life, you can start worship with joy. Like mm-hmm. that is the reason why we worship a God who is good. And that's why we have joy even in the midst of sometimes sadness. 
And so we have to be uplifting. And um, yes, and so how, how are you going to do that this week? That's the question. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valleys. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah that's that's one of my favorite songs because it's just, mm-hmm. even if everything is falling apart, we're still going to do this thing. Yeah, that's good. And and there's all kinds of ways to you know lift Jesus high in that way. And, and you know, like some of the practical things are just even making your worship space brighter or more alive. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we did that last week with a, well, this is just like one little thing, but we had a photo booth left over after the youth conference and, and people were taking pictures just at this photo booth. I mean, just like a little tiny thing. I know that happens a lot in various places, but um, yeah, we need to be thinking about the victories and celebrating those and offering hope in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, um, and just because, just because there's tragedy, there's always tragedy and there's always heartbreak and there's always, you know, broken hearts showing up to church, but it doesn't mean we just, you know, kind of wallow in that. We, we have compassion and we connect with those folks and we, we listen and we engage and we hug and all those things. But then we also, um, you know, offer hope and that's, that's what the church is best at. Mm -hmm. So, and, uh, one of the ways I've seen people be uplifting, even after the service is that same space. If it's not like a tall stage or whatever, but if it's just kind of ground level with uh, the seating, um, there's people up front, maybe they're praying and that's, that's pretty standard. You, you want that. But I see people up there praying for an individual right in the same space where worship just took place, almost to say, Hey, we're still carrying this on. We're still lifting up the name of Jesus. We're still mm-hmm. uh, being inspired even after the service is over. Yeah. That's really good. That's cool. The hard work of worship leadership is worth it. We want to be creative, inspiring, engaging, and uplifting. We hope this has been helpful to you, and we will connect next time.